Hello and welcome to Bible Marathon. We're all about learning how to read the Bible, about spiritual gifts and giving proper defense and explanation for what we believe as Christians. The goal is to progress with joy in the faith and without further ado, let's get into the word. Welcome everyone to Bible Marathon and um, I'm excited because this is like the very first official teaching for the year um it's not the first first but it's the very first in terms of like following the curriculum that we have planned for the year and i'm super excited because we are going to get in um and and learn a lot of things so i'm fully fully resolute like i'm i'm fully resolved to know that we're going to do amazing things together um, before we get started, I want us to pray. All right, so let's um, get started with that. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. Thank you very, very, very much for this privilege we have. Um, starting our day, for many of us in church, physically or virtually, and then coming here later in the day to revel at your goodness, to look into your word even more because your word is never more is never enough we need more and more by the day we live by your word we move by your word lord we are ready to receive all that you have for us today our hearts are receptive we are trained to agree with your word and to disagree with any preconceived notions we have we've come together as a family now we submit to your authority we're here to learn we're here to worship you in the word and lord we are open help us to see you and to see ourselves as you see us in you help us lord to come to a full grasp of all that you have planned for us in jesus mighty name we pray amen welcome everyone if you're joining us for the very first time this is bible marathon and I'm not the one teaching today, as you already know. It's the beautiful lady that you saw on the flyer. Now, Sherita is a member of Bible Marathon. She's been with us for the whole of last year for a while, you know, and she's been here and she's, a, she's going to be a blessing to many of us. So right now, I want to hand over to Sherita as she takes us on the teaching of today, Christology. Over to you, dear. Hi, everyone. Um... Please let me know if you can hear me clearly. Just give me a thumbs up if you can. Thank you. Yeah, let's just pray for this. Um, dear Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you. <clears throat> uh, it's another day to you know experience your goodness. It's another day to and it's another Sunday to learn about you know your nature, who you are, what you did for us in Christ. So we just thank you for this. Pray, Lord, that um, as we you know, go on in this meeting, this teaching, that you help me, um, that I do not speak of myself, but I accurately teach um, the word of God, which is us name. Amen. Thank you, Okay. All right. So we're talking about <clears throat> Christology. Um, and as we know, or as we may not know, Christology is the study of Christ. But before we go in there, I just wanted to 
um, you know, me, highlight some subtopics that we'll be talking about today, learning about who is Christ and, you know, some other um, important subtopics that would shed light into, um, you know, the nature of Christ, basically. Uh, all right, so one second, oh, 10 minutes, so, okay. All right, so now, who is Christ? What is Christology? I beg your pardon. So Christology is, uh, next slide, please. Yeah, so Christology is basically, you know, the study the study of the person and the work of Christ. Um, we're studying about the person. And, you know, if we were here last week, um, that Ernest talked about whenever you see, like, a logy, it's basically talking about study, right? Um, now, if we, you know, go back to the Greek word where Christ was, where the word Christ was formed, it is Christos, and it basically means chosen um, or the anointed Messiah. So basically, we're studying about the chosen one, the anointed Messiah. Um, the work of Christ, the reason, the, what is the importance of what we're even studying? Like, why do we have to study about Christ? Because he came to do a fantastic work on earth, which is, you know, bringing salvation to mankind, right? That is the work of Christ. And we're going to look at 1 John 4, 14. It says, um, I, I'll give us a minute to get there. 1 John 4, 14. It says, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as this as Savior of the world, right? So, you know, that Son is who we are learning about today. So there is a Son, and there's the, there's the work He came to do for mankind. It is what um, saving mankind. So, thank you very much. Next slide, please. Okay then, so who is Christ? We've we'll been hearing about Christ. Um, if if you guys can just type in the chat or like unmute yourself to um, say who Christ is. When you hear Christ, who is Christ? Please don't unmute. Preferably just use the chat function so she doesn't get distracted. Thank you. Okay, Mo says Christ is God. Thank you. Any other thoughts on who Christ is? He is God and source of all life. Okay, beautiful. Thank you. Um, I can take like one more or two more if anybody has any other thing to say. Christ is God the Son. Christ is the Word. Our Savior, Christ is sacrificed for our sins. Beautiful. Thank you all so much. Okay, so um, yeah, so according to this first slide that is here, it says he is the savior of the world. And it's important to understand that he's not a savior because a savior means you can have more than one savior. He is the savior. So, you know, that mentality of you being saved and also trying to do something to earn salvation in the sight of God you are giving yourself, you know, savior status, which is not something that you really can do. You have to put your trust entirely in Jesus, right? He is the savior of the world. Um, like we read in 1 John 4, 14, that says, 
um, and we have seen and do testify like that the Father sends the Son to be the Savior of the world. Um, I also would like us to look at John 1 um, from 1 to 18. Um, Ernest, if you could please. Okay. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2. Uh, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, this is important, and the life was the light of men. And that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. You can skip all these parts. Um, he, but I like this. This man came for a witness, to bear the witness of the light through all, um, that all through him might believe. So he was not that light, but was sent to be a witness of that light. So we're, we're seeing, you know, this um, John 1, we can read up onto verse 18, and I think we can actually skip to verse 18, if you can, John, um, not John, Ernest. <laughs> uh, right, so no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten who is in the bosom of the Father has declared him. So we, if you read this entire, you know, chapter, it's, it, it's how do I put it? it talks about you know different it explains further on who you know Christ is uh, according to you know John's account right if we look at John 1 verse 29 it says you know um, Ernest if you could please go to John 1 Oh, sorry. It says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that is my second point, that Jesus is the Lamb of God, right? Um, as we have seen in, you know, John 1, 29, he, he, was, he is the propitiation of our sins. He's the one who, he didn't die for a select few. He died for all, all of us. And if we now look at John 3, 16, um, that would lead me to my next point that says he is the son of God. If he died for the world, those who put their trust in him have eternal life, right? And that would then lead me to my next point because that's the thing about the Bible, it is interlinked, right? It is, and that's the beautiful thing about it really that, you know, everything is linked. The Christ that they are talking about in the Old Testament cannot be different from the one they're talking about in the New Testament. Now, when Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, verse 6, let's take a look at that. Um, okay. John 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this is you know, this is someone, you know, claiming, right? Just assume a man just comes and tells you um, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. It's also, it's something that has been, you know, prophesied that, you know, this is the, he will be the, you know, source of eternal life. He's the one who will make God known. And someone now comes to tell you that, by the way, I am this person. 
I'm the one that you have. And we would, as we as we continue in this teaching, we'll see many other scriptures of Jesus, you know, telling people about him being the promised Messiah, right? We also look at Genesis 1 verse 3, where it talks about Jesus being light. Um, Genesis 1, I beg your, yeah, Genesis 1, 3, you know, when God said, let there be light and there was light, or in some other translations, light be, right? And then we, if we, if we do some reading, when we go to John 1 verse John 1 verse 6, <clears throat> John 1 verse 6, um, that says, this man came, verse, yeah, okay, I wanted to start from verse 6 to 9, but um, Ernest, can we start from verse 6 and just walk our way through 9, thank you very much. Okay, so there was a man sent from God who's um, name was John, verse 7. This man came for a witness um, to be a, this man came for a witness to be a witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to be a witness of that light. He was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Uh, verse, oh, this is 7 to 9. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, and if we also look at, you know, John 1, 1 that says, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was God. And then we can now go back to Genesis 1 verse 3. I actually want to ask a question. So, um, Ernest, if you could put up that scripture that also says, you know, after God said, let light be, let there be light. And um, the other scripture that says, and then he created um, light and called it day. I, yeah, so the evening and the morning. Okay, okay. Sorry, a, a bit too fast for me. Could you go back to verse 14 and then 15 again? Just so that. Um, and God said, let there be light of the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them, and let them be, be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And if we go to 15, um, and let them be for light in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth, and so it was. So if God already said, let light be in Genesis 1, 3, why was he talking about another light in Genesis 1, um, 14 to 15? Does anyone have an answer? Do we know? Any ideas at all? Sorry, can you, can you say that again? Did he create like two lights? When in Genesis 1-3, when he said, you know, let there be light and there was light. And then in Genesis 1-14 to 15 again, you know, he's talking about another light. Oh, I'm First, I something. He was like, um, um, that light that he first spoke about was actually the light of, I believe, the gospel. That was what he said. Light of the gospel that even before creation, the creation of the world, he already created that light, right? But then afterwards, the other light that he was talking about was like, you know, lights, permanent jiggets, like the lights that come from the sun and everything. I believe mm. that's what it was. That's the story. That's what I believe, Sha. Okay. Thank you very much. I believe that was more, right? 
Thank yeah, it's small. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so like spot on, because if we look at, you know, John 1, where he was explaining that that light was the light, that life was the light of men. It's we 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 have to use like the you know the New Testament to explain some concepts in the Old Testament, right? It says in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And now when we look at Second Corinthians, you know, four verse six, obviously it was talking about Christ, right? Now if you look at Second Corinthians chapter four verse six, where it says, "For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God." in the face of Christ Jesus. So Jesus has come to, you know, basically reveal to us who God is. Um, so that is by him being the light, that is what we mean. Now, some of you also said in the chat that he is God and I'm very happy because like my work is done, basically. The moment we can all agree that he is God, <clears throat> right? Again, John 1 that talked about in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That's very important, right? Because if he existed in the beginning, then he's God because he cannot have, nothing could have existed before God, right? God is, he exists. That's, he's God. Like, <laughs> so yeah. And if we look at John 8 verse 58, when Jesus was telling, um, was even telling Seth, where he said, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am, right? Him referring to himself as I am here was him alluding to the fact that he's God. That's, you know, because that was the way the Jews would refer um, to God. Like they, they knew God as I am, right? Um, and some of them even thought it was like crazy to call himself I am. Like who is this man calling himself I am? Then when we look at John 5, verse 17 to 18. Uh, John 5, 17 to 18. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews um, sought the more to kill him, because he had not only, he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal to God. So this was, you know, Jesus made some claims here, obviously, that he was the son of God. And the, the Jews knew that by him calling himself the son of God, he was making himself equal to God. And they were mad, obviously, like, what? Who are you? This is, do you get? And this is because they didn't have the understanding that, they didn't have the understanding. They read the, they read the, Old Testament, they read the, the scrolls, but they didn't have the understanding that the person that was talked about in these scriptures was, you know, Jesus. So, um, yeah, which is why they, they thought to kill him. If we look at Hebrews 1, verse 5 to 9 as well, Hebrews 1, 5 to 9, we're going to be doing a lot of scriptures today because how else can we talk about Jesus? Um, Hebrews, okay, for to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Next verse, please. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, 
He says, let all the angels of God worship him. It's important to highlight this because he, um, Jesus accepted worship. This is pointing to the fact that he is God, right? If angels are worshiping God, then if angels are worshiping Jesus, then he has to be God, right? Um, next verse, please. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers or uh, a flame of fire? Um, verse eight. But to the son, he says, your throne, O God. Listen to this. But to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. And the last verse, um, verse nine. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness um, more than your companions. So. Again, these scriptures are just pointing to the fact that, you know, Jesus is God, right? Um, now, he's also the word of God, as we have examined in some scriptures in John 1, 14. Um, and we'll read John 1, 14 and 1 John 5, verse 7. Okay. Let's just go to, uh, yeah. It says, and the word became flesh. You know, after we've, after we've read in Genesis chapter one, verse one, that says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It then says the word became flesh, right? And dwelt, that, that basically means the word came in a physical form, right? And dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory of the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And if we look at First John five verse seven as well, excuse me. First John, First John, First John five seven. Uh, for there are three that bear witness in the in heaven: the Father, the Word. And the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. I'm basically just highlighting the fact that you know His Word, He's the Word of God, right? Um, through the Scriptures, also He's a perfect revelation of the Father, and that is um, we would see that in John 14 verse nine. John chapter 14, verse 9, and Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? That is like, I, like I'm, I'm thinking of how to even explain this, because it's like, you have seen me. I've come to make the Father known. So if you have seen me, you have seen God. And if you look at the part that says, you know, the word became flesh. The word was God. And then the word became flesh. And then the word, the word dwelt among us. And now Jesus is now telling you to say, well, Jesus is now telling you basically that, you know, um, I have come to show you the Father. Isn't that beautiful? Anyway, um, let's move on really quickly. Okay, now let's talk about the pre-existence of Christ. If we have established that Jesus is God, right, then 
it means he must, he wasn't like a created being, he must have existed from the beginning, right? So Jesus isn't some prophet that was chosen to die for the redemption of the world. Um, and some of those scriptures that we examined, you know, John 8, 58, when Jesus said, before Abraham, I was, um, is one of the scriptures that would allude to this. And also Titus chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Titus 1, verses 1 to 3. It says, Paul, a bond servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life. This is the part. Which God, who cannot lie, promised from time began, but as in due time manifested his word through preaching. Right, so the part I really want to highlight here is in hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before time began. That means this is something eternal life, um, salvation to mankind is not something that was an afterthought of God, right? It's something that has always been the plan of God. And how do we like if 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 salvation has always been the plan of God and it was supposed to come through Christ, it points to the fact that he existed, you know. From the beginning, before there was a beginning, in fact, he existed, right? And we would look at John 1, verse 1 to 4, as we've already seen, you know, the beginning was the word, the word was God, and the word was God. You know, he made man in his image. If we look at Genesis 1, 26, right? And then when we now go to, um, you know, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 16, that is talking about, um him being the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He says, for by him, all things were created that are in heaven and are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all, three, all things were created through him. Now remember Genesis 1.26, where he was talking about, you know, um, let us make man in our image. Now, if we go to verse 17, actually, sorry, it says, he's before all things. In him, all things hold together. These are scriptures that point to the pre-existence of Christ, right? Um, all right, I'll just move on to the next subtopic. Now, you know, Christ existed, yes. We look at scriptures that talk about him existing on earth, him being, you know, the savior of the world. But he also made some claims, right? Um about being the Messiah, right? So the next subtopic is the, Messi the Messianic claims, right? These are just claims about him being the Messiah. Um, why, why, why are these, you know, why is it important to even know this? Because he's making claims that although people may not believe, I mean, many people did not believe then, right? But he made them anyways. And um, we're basically just going to look at some of these texts. You know, there were prophecies made and these prophecies were fulfilled, but we're going to look at texts of Jesus talking about him being the, the Messiah. Now, John 4, verse 25 to 26 says, the woman said to him, I know that, you know, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now, he's basically telling you that this Messiah that has been prophesied from the beginning, you know, all your prophets, all you have read and all, I am that Messiah. I have come. I'm showing myself to you just in case you didn't understand it. I'm telling you now, right? So Matthew 16, verse 15 to 17 as well. Jesus said, but what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? 
And what did um, Simon Peter reply? He said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. Notice that, you know, he didn't refute the, the claim like, eh, no, who told you that? He, he basically said, you have done well, right? Flesh and blood, you know, this wasn't revealed to you. Like you couldn't have known who can call, you know, who can say Jesus is Lord except by the spirit of God. That's what, you know, Jesus was basically replying to here. And my 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 all-time favorite is actually Luke 4, verse 18 to 21. And, you know, when Jesus went, he was in the synagogue and he, he says, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then what did Jesus do? He rolled up the sleeve, uh, the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And then he said, uh, he says, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. I just want you guys to kind of like think of this happening in present day times. And then he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Basically saying he is the anointed one. He's the chosen one that you read about in Isaiah. He's the one that prophet Isaiah prophesied about, right? Telling them that this is this is me in the flesh. This is me coming to fulfill the scripture, right? Um, and then, you know, Matthew 26, verse 63 to 64, where, you know, they were asking him if he's the Messiah, if he's the son of God. What did Jesus say? He said, you have said so. But I say to all of you, from now on, you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of God, um, at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds. Then when we look at Mark 15, verse two, it says, are you the king of the Jews? Pilate asked, what did Jesus reply? Jesus said, you have said so. Now to kind of even take this back a bit, let's go to Matthew 2, 2. Um, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem and, you know, um, the wise men came to Herod and asked him, oh, where is the one who was who born king of the Jews? We saw his star and he arose. Now, we know what Herod did. He was jealous, thinking there was a king coming to take his throne, jealous of a small baby. And, you know, he literally went killing every male born child that was a baby at that period. Now, if we go back a bit to Genesis, uh, John 18, if we go a bit to John 18, 36 to 37, when Jesus was saying, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. Or my kingdom is from another place. Now, Jesus wasn't, the, what they didn't understand was that his kingdom was not a kingdom of this earth. Because if it was, Jesus wouldn't say my kingdom is not of this world. Now, if we go to Isaiah 9, 6, where it says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Obviously, couldn't have been talking about an earthly kingdom, right? So, you know, Herod's jealousy was very pointless, right? Going about killing those people those um you know little children he, they were thinking that ah he must be you know he's they, they didn't understand that he wasn't talking about an earthly kingdom so anyway um i i hope this explains the facts of you know jesus's messianic claims um on earth we're going to move to the next um <clears throat> the next what's it called now um slide okay 
Now, hmm, this is the part, the deity and humanity of Jesus. As hard as it is to understand and probably to explain, but we need to also understand that Jesus was a 100% God and a 100% man at, um, <clears throat> at the same time. Um, I hope that everyone is, you know, understanding thus far. I don't know if you have, are we, are we understanding? Are we feeling it? My yelling dust. How are we feeling? Able following. Good. Yeah, yes. Yes, Thank you. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> okay. Thank you. All right. So it was a hundred percent God and a hundred percent man at the same time. Um, again, we're going to look at scriptures to examine this, right? Um, let's see. First John 1, verse 1 to 2. It says, What was from the beginning? what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands, concerning what the word of life. Okay, hold that thought. And the life was manifested and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you what the eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us. Like this word of life became flesh. This word of life you know, dwelt with humans. The word of light that was there from the beginning at God dwelled on the earth. They ate with him. They, you know, they, they were on the boat with him. They went about with him, right? So he came in the flesh um, basically for a number of things, to die for us. Like he had to come as a human being, right? He couldn't have come as, you know, an animal to die for the people he's, he wants to save. He had to come in a form that was relatable. He had to come in, 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 in yeah, in the form that was relatable. He had emotions. He was tempted, right? Um, if he was tempted and he over, overcame temptation, then we too, you know, we can, right? Um, we also look at Philippians 2, 7. It says, uh, made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. These are just claims that go to show that, you know, Jesus did exist on earth, right? He was human, right? Um, now, he experienced human emotions. When Lazarus died, you know, we saw that Jesus wept in John eleven thirty five. 35. Um, he slept in Matthew 8, 23, 26, when they were on the boat and there was a storm and Jesus was just sleeping all through the whole thing, right? And this is, a, this is a beautiful part because in verse 27, where he now commanded the, you know, the storm to be calm. And they were astonished, like, what manner of man? Like, he says, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? He had never seen anything like that. It can also, it can, all, it can only but point to the deity of Christ, right? The deity that, you know, somebody is both God and human at the same time, right? And, you know, he performed so many miracles, so many miracles. And, you know, when Jesus performed all these miracles, he did not just perform miracles and go, right? He performed the miracles and, you know, would point to himself as the giver of eternal life. Um, another thing was that he was worshipped and he accepted worship. If you look at John 20 verse 28, um, and Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God, like Thomas says, I, 
not open. He was clear, like, oh, okay, you get this is the doubting Thomas. He believed, and Jesus did not, you know, reject the worship that he was giving him, right? He accepted it. And also, if we look at Mark 10, verse 17 to 18, it says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus was like, Hold on, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So the fact that that man called him good was him what um, understanding or, or, or accepting the fact that, oh, this Jesus, this person that I'm seeing on earth with me, is not just a man, he is God, right? So yeah, those are just you know, scriptures that talk about the deity and humanity of Christ. And now the virgin birth of Christ, we know we well Christ was was prophesied that he would be born of a virgin um and when we look at Matthew 1 um Matthew 1 verse the latter parts <laughs> uh one second I have a question about what you just said okay I guess we'll take questions at the end um Ernest could you please go to Matthew 1 if we go to Matthew chapter one, verse um, 18, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not, um, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. So it says what? She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. This is an... This is an immaculate conception. It's a miracle. It's something that you know never happened before then and would never happen again. And when we look at so many prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus's um, you know, birth, we we see them fulfilled basically in the um, New Testament. So many of these, like the lineage through which he'll be born um, from. Um, that he would be born from the line of, you know, Abraham. When God made, you know, the promise to Abraham through him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. It was obvious. It was through that Isaac's lineage because we noticed that it wasn't through Ishmael's um, lineage that Jesus was born. It was through the promised son Isaac um, that the nations of the earth would be blessed. And we see this from Hebrews chapter eleven, you know. But that's a whole other conversation that we probably don't want to go into. Um, when we go to Hosea, Hosea 11, hey, <laughs> factor, Hosea 11 verse one. Um, okay, let's see. Um, when Israel was a child, I loved, I loved him and out of Egypt, I called my son. We would see then that scripture where, you know, the angel of the Lord told um, Joseph to go to, Egypt and all like just so many things that the thing is prophecy would always be, be fulfilled as long as it has you know been prophesied it has to be fulfilled because you know God cannot lie right um right and he was born of a virgin right he had to it's it's a miracle like I said um and the person who could take away the sin of the world had to be sinless and blameless um for him like it's the lamb of God who take away who the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, right? 
someone taking away the sin of the world has to be sinless, right? If he's taking on sin um, upon himself. Um, I'll just quickly run through the death of Christ now. Um, so basically, the death of Christ was to reconcile people to God, right? Um, and obviously, when they place their faith in his finished works, right, because Christ died doesn't now mean that, oh, okay, yes, you know, the he died for all, he died for humanity, but there is a part for you to play, which is basically just believing in his death, Um we examine scriptures on how, and the thing is, everything was just so meticulous. You would look at scriptures, um, Isaiah uh, 53, verse 7b. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its silent, its its share as in silent, is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Um, Psalm 22, verse 16. Uh, For dogs have surrounded me, the congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and feet, and Jesus' hands and feet were pierced on the cross. Like, like I feel like if anybody didn't even believe before that time, but maybe you know they were reading it, when they saw the when they saw it basically happening, right? Or prophecies being fulfilled, it should have, you know, um it should have clicked in their minds that, okay, you know, oh, this must be the Christ indeed you get. But I understand that it may not have been easy for them to believe, but it's easier to talk now that, you know, we have like the, the whole Bible, but I guess that's our advantage. And then if we look at Isaiah 56, um, you know, I offered my back to those who beat me. And we know Jesus was beaten, right? He was beaten. You know, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. This is our Lord and Savior. He was he was exposed to public disgrace. They disgraced him. Ha, ah, God, thanks. So. Um, they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. You remember the scripture of where he was fulfilled, where vinegar... They give um, Jesus vinegar. And now if you look at Colossians 1 verse 20, I'm just trying to run through this. Um, it says, I'll start from verse 19. Colossians was 1, 19 to 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, talking about Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, but things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So it was important that Christ died for our sins. Um, according to the scripture, it says what that the death was to reconcile, you know, him. him it, it was to reconcile us to God, right? To all it was to reconcile God to all things. Try not to bite my tongue and have it wrapped at the same time. Okay, thank you. Um, Matthew 27, verse 45 to 51. Just looking at some scriptures um, about, you know, the fulfillment of this death that was prom- uh, prophesied, not promised. Um, verse 45, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them rang, uh, ran and got a sponge. He filled it with vinegar and put it on his staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Do we see how, like, no detail in the prophecy of how Jesus was going to die was missed? 
the, even the uh, even the um you know vinegar part was fulfilled um you know and they offered it to jesus to drink the rest said now leave him alone let's see if elijah comes to save him and when jesus has cried out in a loud voice he gave up his spirit at that moment the curtain of the temple was turned in two from top to bottom the earth shook the rocks made. so things that were fulfilled were basically coming to you know we're now coming to like fruition in in due time right these prophecies will be fulfilled in due time and they were fulfilled in due time um now hebrews 9 verse 12 to 14 says he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and cows but he entered the most holy place um once for all by his own blood thus obtaining eternal redemption the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifers sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean, right? So all those, you know, sacrifices that many of them used to give in the, um, you know, in the Old Testament then couldn't have saved them, right? The blood of goats and bulls couldn't have made them, couldn't have atoned for their sins. He says it would, it would only make them outwardly clean, like to themselves they are clean. But we know that God is not about the outward, you know, he doesn't look on about, he doesn't look at the outward part. He's basically about the heart, right? Then verse 14 now says, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God. Remember we talked about how the savior of the world had to be unbound, how to be unblemished, how to be sinless, basically. You know, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. The purpose of the death, the purpose of everything was to bring us, you know, into reconciliation with God, to reconcile us with God. And now Romans uh, 5, verse 6 and 8. Romans 5, verse 6 and 8, um, I'll read verse 6 and then jump to 8. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Um, you know, I guess we can continue. Okay, yeah. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? So this, this scripture is really important because that is the love of God speaking there. Yes, you know, Jesus was to die for the world, but what what was behind that act? Like we saw the public disgrace that, you know, our Lord and Savior was exposed to that he faced. Everything, he could have only done that because of that love. He could have literally just said, oh, my man, <laughs> it's okay. Let these people carry their cross by themselves. But that's not even possible to start with. Only God could have saved mankind, right? And he went through this and it was done out of love. It was done as an act of love. So, um, yeah, so he had to die the death that we couldn't have died. Even if all of us decided to kill ourselves, it would not have been enough to, you know, bring us into redemption. To um, into redemption, It wouldn't have just been enough, basically, right? Um, Okay, now, Christ died, right? So he resurrected. It's important that we talk about this resurrection because um, it's, if, 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 if somebody is promising you eternal life, he cannot be dead, right? And that's the thing about our, what's it called now, our religion, right? At, like, at the risk of, anyway, that's the thing about, you know, Christianity. God isn't, our savior is not in the grave. 
you know, others may be promising eternal life and all, but it's almost like, but where is the person promising eternal life, right? He is alive. He is risen. At the third day, he rose again. So there is no, um, I can put my faith in this person. I can bank on him. I can bank on the fact that if he resurrected, then I will be, you know, and if he resurrected and ascended, in the same way shall I, you know, ascend for those who would not, you know, not die. <laughs> like physical death until Jesus comes, you know. Well, I know that all of us who are sent, you right, who then you know death will be swallowed up in victory, and who we shall rejoice and glory, glory, right? But let's look at First Corinthians fifteen, verse twenty to twenty-three. Um, excuse me. It says, "But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Since for death, um, for since death, man." But since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But in, but in each in turn Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. So the same way, you know, it's beautiful that, you know, Adam was the first man, you know, who sinned and, you know, death passed on to mankind, but look at what Christ now did. And this is another reason why, you know, God had to come in the flesh that he, the second Adam would now be the one, the life-giving spirit to take away the sin of the world and then give life unto, you know, those, unto all that. And it's those who believe in him that would now accept this life. Um, now verse 14 says, and if Christ has not, I mean, no, um, First Corinthians 5, 14 to 15 says, um, and if Christ has not been raised from the dead, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead. For He did not raise Him; um, he, he did not raise Him. If in fact the dead are not raised, this is Paul just basically saying, like, imagine we, we have gone through all this teaching, and we now find out that. Christ wasn't raised from the dead. That everything is useless now because he he it was prophesied that he would die on the third day. He would you know resurrect. So imagine if he died and did not resurrect. What's now the point? There are obviously holes in this story, right? But that's not the case. He died. He resurrected, and has now ascended. And you know has sent the Holy Spirit who is living inside of us. Um, one more. Yeah, so we'll, because of that Holy Spirit part, we'll go straight into Christ in you, right? Christ in you is basically the Holy Spirit in you. If you look at John 16, verse 7, uh, John chapter 16, verse 7. John 16, 7, it says, But very truly I tell you, it is good for it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So basically, the Holy Spirit now dwells inside of us. The Holy Spirit now lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit is basically Christ in you, um, Christ in us. The promise that, you know, Christ made to the disciples would see, you know, fulfilled in Acts, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. Anyway, then John 14, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you an advocate to help you and be with you forever. And then let's look at Colossians 1, 27. Colossians 1.27, um, to whom, to them God has chosen to make you known among the Gentiles, the glorious riches 
um, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Glory to God. And um, yeah, so this, I just wanted to touch briefly on this Christ in you because it would be, you know, further talked on in this series that we um, that we are in, like in this month of January. And um, so next thing about the second coming of Christ, we know that Christ will return, right? Um, so we have the Holy Spirit as our guarantee, as a, as a, like a seal, like a mark that shows that, you know, we belong to him, right? If you are truly born again, if you receive the life of Christ, um, it's important that, I mean, it's, it's not really, it's, it's a, you get the Holy Spirit, like there's no, don't go to conjure the Holy Spirit inside of you. You meant you put your faith in him. You have the Holy Spirit. So I'd just like to enjoy um or you know encourage anybody who has listened to this to basically you know put your faith in Jesus and you know it's I know that at the end of the day it's up to you but I do hope that you believe in him and for those of us who have you know this knowledge of <clears throat> you know Jesus being our savior and have accepted this and we believe, right, and have the Holy Spirit, what then do we do? We go into the world, we bring people into the fold by preaching the gospel. It's important that we do that because he has commissioned, he has given us this commission, right, that we should go into the world and make disciples of people. And then we preach this gospel aggressively, right, because we have the message of the giver of eternal life. It's like watching people die and not trying to rescue them. You have to that rescue them, right? Um, no matter what, share the gospel today, no matter how, you know, just sow a seed of the gospel, the Holy Spirit will do the work, but you cannot pray somebody into salvation. You have to preach the gospel to them and then, you know, hopefully they yield to the Spirit, um, to the Spirit's leading. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. I am done. Treasure and Ernest are here to answer your questions. I love you guys. I would love you guys to appreciate Sheraton with me, please. If you can unmute yourself and clap and shout and just rejoice. Thank you, Sheraton. That was awesome. Sheraton. Sheraton. Killed it. Rabbi Sheraton. Thank you, Sheraton. Thank you, Sheraton. Sheraton, BMG loves you. You're part of this family and you've just come as a rabbi, just like someone said. Thank you so much. All right, so let's answer the question that was asked earlier. So I want to go back and read it if it's okay. Um, and the question, it was from Chantel. And here's the question. Um, from the example you just gave about someone calling Jesus good, if God is the only good person, why did Jesus ask the person why he called him good since Jesus is God? That's a beautiful question. And Chantel is appealing to a question. Uh, this question is from the story of the rich man, the young, rich young ruler who met with Jesus and basically came and was like, ah, man, you're a good teacher. Yeah, he called him good teacher. And Jesus responded and said, good. Why do you call me good? Only God is good. And I think the very, very short answer, all right, because of time, the very, very short answer is the fact that Jesus wanted to show that if you call me good, you are also calling me God. So are you at, are you seeing me as God or are you seeing me as anything else? Because if you are saying I'm good, then you are saying I am God in a sense. And, and we can prove that with what Jesus eventually said. The man asked him like, Master, um, well, I, what do I do, you know, to inherit eternal peace? That, that was kind of like, Jesus says, well, 
you have the law. This is what you need to do. And he lists all the things that he's supposed to do. And guess what? Wow. I mean, he responds and says, I've done all these things you are listing, the laws. I've kept the laws. And then Jesus is mar you know, marvels and says, well, there's one thing you haven't done. And he says, sell all you have and follow me. And then immediately the Bible says his countenance changed. He felt sad. He was like, oh, no. And he walked away. And then Jesus made a very, very interesting statement. You know, it's. It's, it's, it's difficult for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Is it because God doesn't love riches or God doesn't bless people financially? No. Um, the ultimate reason here is if you leave everything you have to follow Christ, you've gained everything. And by him um, asking that question about is um, God good or God, it's a versus thing. If you say I'm good, you're attributing goodness to me. And if you are calling me good, you are also saying I am God because God is the only one that's truly good. And um, that's, that's a short answer. There's a more theological approach to answer that question. But that's really what Jesus was trying to do. And this is not the first time Jesus answers a question like that with something or a statement like that with a teaching opportunity. All right. I don't know if that answers the question for you, Chantel, but that's um, kind of like the idea behind that. Um, right now, I'm just going to pray us out. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. Thank you for this time. Thank you for revealing again to us, bringing to our memory the doctrine of Christology, the person of the Christ, his work, what he did, what he accomplished, and what we are because of that. We appreciate you and we worship you. Thank you for Shaitan. I pray right now that her grace to teach grows more and more, that she grows in knowledge and in favor with God and even with men. I pray, Lord, that she's strengthened with wisdom and with power in her inner man. And I pray, Lord, that she will do even more for the cause of Christ. I pray for everyone who came to listen today. I just pray that you will go with this knowledge and live lives that are pleasing to the Lord in your everyday walk. I pray that you will be consistent with the goals you've set, with the spiritual disciplines you've decided to follow. And I pray that God's grace and strength will go with you. And, and I, I commend you to the word of God and to the, the, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance amongst them that are sanctified. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. And I just want to pray real quick for anyone who's listening that has an ailment or a sickness or something of concern. I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one who died and rose again. I pray right now that that affliction ends, you are healed in the name of Jesus, and that worry is, re is replaced with peace, the peace that passes all understanding right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, precious Father. We love you. We cherish you. We adore you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hey there so we've come to the end of this teaching session and we hope it was for you a teaching and an enlightening moment we have so many other topics on our podcast that range from spiritual gifts to charisma to interpreting the bible world and so many others if you'd like to listen to any one of them just look through our podcast catalog and find the topic that you'd love to learn if you'd like to join us Sunday live on MixLR or on Zoom, all you need to do is go to our website, which is bit.ly 
forward slash BMG Live 4. That's the number 4. Or you can look in the description and you will find the link to the website there. We hope you have a blessed week and continue to grow and progress with joy in your faith.